result of the helots, their indentured serfs. Normally, the Spartan army would have no problem coping with the uprisings, but the combined effects of revolution and natural disaster were taking their toll, so the Spartans appealed for help from other Greek city-states. The Athenians were persuaded by Simon, a prominent politician and a laconophile, to send help to Sparta and a contingent of 4,000 hoplite heavy infantry marched into the Peloponnese. However, friction quickly developed. The Athenian soldiers made no secret of their distaste for the job of slaughtering fellow Greeks, who aspire to freedoms which they themselves possess and the Spartans began to grow suspicious that the Athenians would make common cause with the Helots and turn on Sparta in her moment of greatest weakness. Accordingly, they sent the Athenians packing, a colossal snub which caused Athens to promptly renege all ties of alliance to Sparta. Not content with this radical step, the Athenians waited for the uprising to be put down, and when those rebellious Helots who were offered amnesty in exchange for exile began seeking a place to live, offered them the city of Naupactus, a deliberate insult and threat to Sparta. Naupactus, which sat at the Isthmus of Corinth, the narrow strip of land which connected the Peloponnese to the Greek mainland, had significant strategic value, as any forces controlling the Isthmus would effectively prevent Spartan hoplites from leaving the Peloponnese. The period between 479 BC and 431 BC, known as the Pentakosha, and to some extent the decades that followed, although they were marred by the harrow of the Peloponnesian War, were the Golden Age of Athens. The victory over the Persians ushered in an era of burgeoning confidence and dynamism that made the Athenians feel invincible, as well as ushering in a fresh wave of democratization. Salamis, Athens' most dazzling triumph, had not been the product of the gentlemen rankers of the heavy infantry, but of the lowest of the working classes, the oarsmen and marines of the Athenian fleet, and they reveled in their status as preservers of Hellenic freedom and spoke forth with unprecedented vigor in the Ecclesia. The Acropolis, which had been destroyed by Xerxes, was rebuilt into a dazzling spectacle that still stands to this day. While under the auspices of the great sculpture Phidias, the mighty buildings were decorated with sculpture of unprecedented grace and beauty. At the same time, colossal walls, miles long, were built to link Athens to the port of Piraeus, meaning that Athens could never be besieged by land forces alone. Under the leadership of Pericles, the great statesman who took power in Athens in 461 BC and held it largely without interruptions until his death thirty years later, the city flourished. The arts, including theater, poetry, and philosophy, blossomed like no other city in Greece, as did science, including architecture, medicine, natural philosophy, and mathematics. Athens could boast, and with good cause, that all of Greece looked to them for its knowledge, but there was trouble in paradise. The dynamism and expansion hid the reality of oppression of other fellow members of the Delian League, whose lavish tribute was needed to fund Athens' public works and its various schools. Many of the Delian allies were resentful, and the Spartans were downright hostile. And throughout it all, the politicians of Athens relentlessly schemed and betrayed each other in a constant quest for power and influence. A crisis was coming. But Athens rushed blissfully unaware towards it. Indeed, there is even some indication that Pericles deliberately orchestrated it to preserve himself from political issues at home.